0: Wednesday, January 6th, in the U.S. Capitol building, was meant to sound like this.
1: Without objection, the tellers will dispense with the reading of the formal portions of the certificates.
0: Every four years, the the vice president of the United States, in this case Mike Pence, oversees as Congress formally counts the votes of the Electoral College and certifies the next president. It's a bureaucratic process that most Americans, much less people elsewhere in the world, are generally unaware of. It's administrative, quiet, boring. But not this year.
2: The crowds are here and they're just getting bigger and bigger.
0: This year, there was a mob invasion.
3: Never in my lifetime did I think I would see this.
2: They're all here to protest the certification of Joe Biden as the next president of the United States.
3: Trump supporters, all of them unmasked, demanding to be let into the Capitol. The fact that the members of the House of Representatives have been told to get their gas masks, something that they've put in place since 9-11, is absolutely unheard of.
0: Thousands of Trump supporters stormed the steps of the Capitol, and a group of them made it inside the building. They smashed windows, looted art, and ransacked some offices, while members of Congress barricaded themselves in others. Here's Republican Representative Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin.
2: I am sheltered in place in my office because we have protesters who have stormed the Capitol, clashing with Capitol police, forcing their way into Statuary Hall, The Vice President of the United States was just rushed off the floor of the House by Secret Service? This is Banana Republic crap.
0: Except it wasn't. It happened at the center of U.S. democracy. The scenes that unfolded in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday were unprecedented, but not unpredictable. Here's what one former White House staffer said in December.
3: I am actually very concerned that there will be violence on January 6th because the president himself is encouraging it. This is what he does. He tweets, he incites it, he gets his followers and supporters to behave in this manner. And these people think that they're being patriotic because they are supporting Donald Trump.
0: And this story isn't just about the mob that attacked the Capitol. It's also about the police, who were sent to stop them. The federal government refused to deploy the National Guard until well into the crisis. We saw videos of officers unable to hold back the masses, and in some cases willfully letting them through, shaking their hands or taking selfies. By night, the election process was back on course, but the shock of the afternoon's insurrection will linger. For today's episode, we asked people to share what they experienced on the day and what they think it means for the future of the U.S.'s democracy. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take.
4: We beat them four years ago. We surprised them. We took them by surprise. And this year, they rigged an election. They rigged it like they've never rigged an election before.
5: The
0: day began with this rallying cry from President Donald Trump to thousands of his supporters just behind the White House.
4: To use a favorite term that all of you people really came up with, we will stop the steal. We're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never... Take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong.
0: Trump riled his supporters up with inflammatory words and misinformation. Hundreds of them went from the rally straight to the Capitol building.
3: This is what everybody was afraid of.
0: Al Jazeera's correspondent Patty Colhane was there.
3: When the president started talking about, don't let them steal the election, they're very, very angry, and they are trying to get in to do the president's bidding, to convince Congress that he should be given the election that he lost in a fair election.
0: For hours, Patty reported from the base of the Capitol. She saw the rioters swarm the building and break windows to push their way in.
3: Al Jazeera knew that this was a risky situation, so they provided me with a security guard. So, obviously, people knew that this could get tense. The fact that they were able to breach the building, get into the chamber, is absolutely astounding.
0: Some of the insurrectionists briefly took control of the Senate chamber. They posed for pictures at the dais, where Vice President Pence had just been sitting. In the House chamber, politicians hid behind desks and chairs from the mob just outside. As the photos made their way to social media, the word coup started being thrown around by observers. And the scenes outside the building were astounding in their own right. The Trump supporters attacked reporters and camera people. We saw smoke pouring out of the Capitol building. At some point, live on TV, we could hear Patty choking on the tear gas that police had fired nearby.
3: I just heard the sound of tear gas being fired on the front side of the Capitol again. Tear gas is wafting through the air. Uh, Patty, I-, I know it's very difficult for you to speak right now, but uh, uh, please try and stay with us if you can, because something seems to be happening. Where we were located, we were able to see a paramedics rush a person into the ambulance, followed by dozens of uh, Trump supporters. We believe the media has been attacked by the Trump supporters on the front side of the Capitol. We've seen pictures on social media of protesters gaining access to the Speaker of the House's office. This is a chaotic scene. The masses seem to have mostly gone, at least from the side of the Capitol that I'm on. But in the distance, you can hear the constant sound of tear gas being fired. I know they were using flashbang grenades earlier. It is a remarkable scene here in the United States Capitol.
0: Patty was one of the many brave reporters who ran towards the metaphorical fire as the insurrection escalated. There were others who were already inside.
5: My name is Tia Mitchell, and I'm the Washington correspondent for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution newspaper.
0: Tia was inside the chambers of the House of Representatives, reporting on the certification process when the riot started.
5: I was up in the media area, which is like kind of above and behind where Speaker Nancy Pelosi sits and where Vice President Pence had sat when he was presiding. We could not be evacuated in time before the rioters started busting out the windows and banging on doors trying to get into the chamber. So we saw that unfold in real time. There's that picture that's going around of like officers with their guns drawn and they have a piece of furniture barricading the door. And we saw that happening. They didn't get in, but they were outside. When we finally did get evacuated, we had to walk past some of those insurrectionists who Capitol Police had subdued and they were laying on the floor face down. So, you know, it's been really hard for me because I was in journalist mode even after it unfolded. I was documenting what happened on social media. And so I didn't really think much about it. I just kind of was like, let's chronicle this because something's happening that's important and people need to know about it but I've never seen anything like this of course and I mean I used to be a crime reporter in Jacksonville Florida which is kind of a a scrappy town and I've seen some things you know but I haven't seen anything quite like this even in protests I covered I've never seen anything quite like this I don't even know if there's anything I would compare it to A lot changed after 9-11, and I think, you know, this was not on the scale of bloodshed or scope of 9-11 by any means, but the U.S. Capitol is our symbol of democracy, and so we're going to have to talk about what that breach, that coup attempt, that riot in the Capitol, what that means.
0: Cirillo Manego, a Black activist who lives right by the Capitol, told us he also made his way there. To bear witness
6: essentially what was going down was happening in my backyard so immediately i started texting groups making sure all my folks were safe and then i went out there to make a stand i wanted to see what was going on the more and more you got into the crowd you really really felt electricity i would call them almost domestic terrorists people trying to stage a coup running inside our nation's capital with body armor things to basically hogtie people with. So they had real intentions on going in there and not being friendly, not trying to have a conversation, but to overthrow our nation's capital.
0: Cirillo told us it was shocking to be out there amongst so many people that were ready to disregard the U.S. election process. And what was more shocking still was how the police reacted. Cirillo had been in a crowd facing down the police before, but the police response this time was restrained compared to what he experienced at the Peaceful Black Lives Matter protests last summer.
6: I was down there at the White House for the protests. Rubber bullets were being shot at peaceful protesters. The weird part about what was happening at the Capitol, while there was some kind of pushback from the Capitol Police in DC Metro, it wasn't like we saw um, by the White House. And really, white folks were almost escorted into the Capitol to some degree.
0: We posed that thought to Washington, D.C.'s Attorney General, Carl Racine. He's essentially the city's top lawyer. And he, too, was struck by the comparisons between Wednesday's events and last summer's protests.
7: I juxtaposed what I saw. Few officers, really few, if any, physical presence a mob walking right through them, breaking windows, with what occurred on June 1, when the Black Lives Matter protest, multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-generational, overwhelmingly nonviolent protest occurred, where there were literally brigades of federal officials, including National Guard, in full military regalia, blocking protesters who had never indicated in social media or otherwise that they would storm the Capitol. That contrast was shocking, but at the same time, it was a vivid depiction of inequity and justice.
0: Racial injustice was inevitably on a lot of people's minds as they watched what was happening. Many of the insurrectionists carried Confederate flags, symbols of slavery, through the halls of the Capitol. And to many, their boldness seemed afforded to them because they are white Americans.
8: I guarantee you, if this was a Black protest, you would have more than enough police. White privilege was extended to a mob.
0: Andre Perry is a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. He writes about structural racism and inequality.
8: You know, I cover race and protests and revolutionary actions throughout the United States. I've never seen anything like this. The various police departments simply were not prepared. Now, if that's not a statement about where we are in race relations, I I, I don't know what is. When I heard the president-elect Biden say this is not who we are, I somewhat shook my head because we've been going down this road for quite a while now. Ostensibly, we have people storming the Capitol. So this is who we are, or part of who we are.
0: He's referring to the speech that President-elect Joe Biden gave while rioters were still inside the Capitol building.
8: The scenes of chaos at
4: the Capitol do not reflect a true America, do not represent who we are. What we're seeing are a small number of extremists dedicated to lawlessness. It's not protest, it's insurrection. I am genuinely shocked and saddened that our nation, so long the beacon of light and hope for democracy, has come to such a dark moment.
0: Biden asked people of both parties to take a stand against the insurrection.  — with one specific man in mind. —
4: I call on President Trump to go on national television now to fulfill his oath and defend the Constitution and demand an end to this siege. —
0: Trump responded within the hour with this video message on Twitter. —
4: This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace.
0: That tweet was soon removed, and Twitter temporarily locked the president's account. Facebook and Instagram soon followed. Their suspensions will last through the end of the Trump presidency. But some would argue the damage was already done. Some, like anthropologist Stephen Gardner.
1: I've been researching militias and the far right since the early 1990s. This group of people who stormed the Capitol today, this was a wider swath. This was Trump supporters who have been egged on, who have been whipped up by violent rhetoric, by conspiratorial rhetoric coming from... Trump and coming from his supporters in right-wing media. We have a president who is reaching out to appeal to factions that romanticize violence, that see themselves as engaged in revolutionary action, in a new civil war, of being at war with a faction of the country. What does this mean for American democracy? It shows us just how precarious it is, like democracy everywhere. Democracy depends on trust of institutions and Trump's repeated calls for essentially coup-like activity are having a chilling effect on people's trust in institution. And without trust, democracy fails.
0: That concern was echoed by Glenn Carl, a former CIA officer who was warning about Trump's impact on U.S. democracy since 2015. He says he watched the mob invasion with anger and disappointment.
9: Sadly, I have to say, uh, I have expected that this would happen. Words have consequences. I and many others, frankly, predicted that the endpoint of statements made and the actions taken by one political party, to be frank about this, could only lead to this kind of crisis. This has happened once before in the United States in 1861, the country split in half and we massacred each other for four terrible years. We are not at that point, but uh, it was quite clear from the beginning of the Trump phenomenon that he embodied a populist rejection of reason and the trends of society. So this is not a surprise.
0: Glenn says his and others' warnings about right-wing militias were not just ignored, they were suppressed.
9: For 25 years and more, the FBI, CIA, what's now the Department of Homeland Security, have all assessed every year that the primary threat to American institutions and citizens are right-wing American militia and organizations. When the government agencies said this, however, The Republican leadership at the time, and I'm speaking factually, I'm not making assertions, refused to let the intelligence community say that. We could only say that there were Islamic terrorists, and there were, who were the primary threat. So if you refuse to acknowledge reality and you abet their behavior, this is what you get.
0: By Thursday, at least five people were dead. Police had recovered pipe bombs seized five guns, and arrested 70 people. The mayor of Washington, D.C., declared a public emergency that will last through January 20th, Biden's inauguration day. The chaos seemed to end as abruptly as it had started. Al Jazeera's correspondent, John Hendren, who was there, says he hadn't truly understood what had happened until it was all over.
2: At the risk of outing myself as an old man, I've been covering various presidents for about three decades. But I've never had a day like Wednesday. It was around 2 p.m. that I heard that protesters were besieging the Capitol, and so I went there and found not only had they taken over, they'd broken in. And I watched as they were using barricades to smash in the door at the north entrance as some were repelled by the tear gas of the police inside, clearly outnumbered. When the day was all over, I arrived at my hotel for an espresso martini and a burger, and I turned on the TV to see the footage of what I had been living all day, but was amazed at how much I had missed. It was then I had the opportunity to reflect on what I'd witnessed. Now, I've been in war zones in Iraq, Afghanistan, Gaza, Ukraine, Libya, Once in South Sudan, I was inside the presidential compound when rebels fired on it and held it under siege. But I never imagined a siege, one that ended in death, in a city where I was born, the capital of the United States, under a president who urged the mob not to take it, and then praised them for their assault on the capital, before acquiescing to the plea from the incoming president to tell the mob that had taken over the capital to go home. What a day.
0: At 8 p.m. on Wednesday, after a thoroughly chaotic day, Congress reconvened in a Capitol building that still had vandalism on the walls and broken glass on the floors. And the lawmakers set out to finish what they'd started that afternoon. Mike Pence kicked off the proceedings.
1: To those who wreaked havoc in our Capitol today, you did not win. Violence never wins. Freedom wins. This is still the people's house. Let's get back to work.
0: The debate lasted all night. Some Republican lawmakers withdrew their objections to Biden's win because of the insurrection earlier that day. But many others continued peddling misinformation about election fraud, drawing out the certification process. Joe Biden was officially declared the winner as dawn approached on Thursday morning, 15 hours after it had begun on Wednesday afternoon. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Priyanka Tilbe, Negin Olei, Alexandra Locke, Ney Alvarez, Amy Walters, Dina Kispe, and me, Malika Bilal. Our engagement producer is Natalia Aldana. She also helped us with reporting. Alex Roldan is the Take Sound designer and Stacey Samuel is the executive producer. We'll be back.